We're going to take a break from our study in Ephesians, and I would like you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 34, the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at this unit of scripture, verses 25 through 34. We're actually going to start in the middle of verse 24, and it says, and a great crowd followed him, followed Jesus, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Well, our first point this morning is humility and the power of God. We will never see God work powerfully in our lives unless we are willing to humble ourselves before him. We must be willing to lay aside our pride. And that is one of the most difficult things for us to do as humans. Pride expresses itself in so many ways ways. Think of pride and power. You must lay aside pride in order to have the power of God. Lay aside pride in return for the power of God. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it says to us, but God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let every person here understand that. God always, always resists the proud, but gives grace, but gives grace to the humble. God may ask us to do things we never thought we could do. We're going to look at someone who does that today. God may ask you to do things you never thought you could do. There may be some people in the auditorium here this morning, especially on a day like Mother's Day. It was hard for you to come. You're not used to going to church. Walking into a church is a little bit frightening for you. Maybe coming to this particular church, and maybe because it's a Baptist church, you're a little uneasy, uncomfortable coming. But you came anyway. You did something that was hard for you. I believe that every single week, and we try, oh, by God's grace, we try to be so sensitive to this every single week. 
We have people among us who are sitting among us, especially in this morning service, and they are taking a big step, just walking in those doors and sitting in these seats and being with us. And they are nervous. And we try our best never to embarrass anyone. We always want our guests to feel welcome and comfortable here. Well, as I mentioned this morning, we are looking at a woman who humbled herself before Jesus. She had a desperate need that only Jesus could meet. That is really the heart and soul and thrust of this message. She had a desperate need that only Jesus could meet. We are introduced to a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. She had some kind of hemorrhaging for 12 long years. And hemorrhaging that she could not control that would not stop. And she spent everything she had, everything, trying to get better. Which brings us to our second point this morning, which is really the heart of this message, and that is a desperate woman. Now, this particular account, which I believe is a literal, historical account, Jesus is not just telling a story here or Mark, I should say, is not telling us a story about Jesus just as some kind of fairy tale. This is an actual, literal, historical account recorded for us by the Holy Spirit through men in Scripture. And this is recorded not for us not only in the Gospel of Mark, but also in the Gospel of Luke. And it is good sometimes to put those accounts together, and I will be doing a little bit of that as we go through this. And for those of you who want to study the Bible, that is called the harmony of the Gospels, where you take all the Gospel accounts and you put them together to get the full picture. And I say that because in the Gospel of Luke, we read, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. I want you to try with your sanctified imagination to get the picture of what is happening here. There is this great throng Who knows how many hundreds of people were there trying to get to Jesus, trying to be around Jesus, trying to listen to Jesus and to see Jesus. Again, it says in the middle of verse 24, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Jesus was a controversial celebrity at this particular point in his ministry. The Jewish leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law despised him, but the people loved him. Oh, they loved him. And try to imagine what it must have been like in days before there was no television, no video. And so if you wanted to see a person that you had heard about. You went where he was or where she was. You went there. And all of these people have come to see Jesus. And it says in verse 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. As I mentioned, she had some kind of hemorrhaging. And we can only imagine how difficult this must have been for her. It must have been uncomfortable, constantly uncomfortable. It must have been messy. It must have been embarrassing. Everywhere she went, everything she did, she had to somehow cope with and accommodate for this discharge of blood that she had. 
But folks, it was so much more than that. So much more than that. According to the standards of the Old Testament laws found in the book of Leviticus, she was unclean. When a woman would go through her menstrual period, she would be unclean for that period of time, that time frame. And then she would be clean. But for this woman, for 12 years, she was never clean. In his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, R.C. Sproul says she was as unclean as a leper. That means if you touched her, you were unclean. If she touched you, you were unclean. But perhaps most importantly for her, it meant she could not go to temple worship. She could not be among the people of God in worship at the temple because she was forbidden because of her uncleanness. And in verse 26, it says, And who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Oh, so much there. She didn't just see a lot of doctors. She suffered much under many physicians. Those of you sitting here this morning who have gone through serious illnesses in your life, you know what that means. You go through tests. They try things and they don't work. And they try things with you and sometimes they're uncomfortable. Sometimes they're awkward. Sometimes there's all kinds of procedures that you have to go through. She suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and had spent all that she had and the Bible says was no better but rather grew worse. She didn't just stay the same she didn't get any better, but she didn't stay the same. She got worse. She suffered un- much under many physicians and didn't get better, but grew worse. In the Gospel of Luke, it says no one could heal her. No one could heal her. Now, that's significant because if you know anything about the man Luke, you will probably know that he was a physician. This is coming from him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A physician, Luke says, no one could heal her. Well, this desperate woman now completely humbles herself and makes a bold move toward Jesus. This is such a dramatic, intense account of what happens to this woman in her desperate condition. In verse 27, it says, She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. I want you to focus on the first part of the verse. First of all, she had heard the reports about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, there was all kinds of talk going around about him who he was, who he claimed to be, the miraculous powers that he has, the miracles that he was doing. And she decides, she decides to go for it. Now we need to understand culturally in this particular context in the first century, 
you didn't, a woman, especially in a public setting, did not just approach a man and address him in public, especially if that man happened to be a teacher or a rabbi, which Jesus was. So she is doing this at great risk to herself. She's going to go for it. She's going to do something she never thought she could do because she had heard the reports about Jesus. And notice, she came up behind him. She makes her way through this significant, enormous crowd, comes up behind him purposely in the crowd and then touched his garment. Some of you may remember Back in 2012, 2013, I preached through the entire gospel of Mark. So I preached through this particular passage and tied it together with the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. And I said at that time, Mark gives us this consistent or these consistent traits of a disciple when a person really becomes a disciple. She heard about Jesus, she came to Jesus, and she touched Jesus. She heard about him, she came to him, and she touched him. And in verse 28 it says, For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. She has this incredible faith based just upon what other people have told her about this person named Jesus. And then something supernatural happens. And I'm not sure any human being can do justice to the drama that must have been experienced in this moment. In verse 29 it says, And immediately, immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Wow. Twelve years. Twelve years of deep, intense, physical and no doubt emotional and mental suffering. She touches Jesus. And immediately the flow of blood dries up and she knew it. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Don't miss it. The healing of this woman was miraculous and instantaneous. Just like that. She touches Jesus and she is healed. Well, Jesus then asked what appeared to be a ridiculous question. In verse 30, It says, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? That's so interesting. He perceived in himself. Wow. He perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. And so he turns about in the crowd and says, okay, who touched my garments? And the disciples are like, oh, Jesus. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Jesus, hundreds of people have touched you. Hundreds of people are pressing against you, and you turn around and say, who 
touched me. Luke tells us it was Peter that actually spoke those words. Like, Jesus, all these people are like jostling you, rubbing against you, and you say, who touched me? But they missed something very important. Jesus was not asking about a physical touch. He was asking about a touch of faith. He knew it. Isn't that fascinating? All these people pushing against him, touching him, reaching out to him. And one woman touches him and he knows it immediately. Because she touched him with a touch of innocent, childlike faith. And he knew it. He knew it right away. And in verse 32 it says, and he looked around to see who had done it. He looked around, okay, who touched me? Ladies, I want you to know this morning that when you humble yourself in childlike, innocent faith, and you take whatever it is you're struggling with, maybe you're a young mom, maybe you're an older mom, maybe you're not a mom who wants to be a mom, maybe you're struggling with infertility, maybe you're struggling with some other issue in your life, maybe you're a young mom and your family's struggling financially, come to Jesus. Come to him in innocent, childlike faith. Ladies, I want you to know something. According to the world population clock, Right now in the month of May in 2018, it says there are 7.6 billion people in the world. It's a lot of people. 7.6 billion people in the world right now. But when you come to Jesus with your tears and your innocent faith, the faith of a child, and you reach out to him, he knows it's you. Among 7.6 billion people, he knows it's you. And he knows exactly what you're going through. And not only will you touch him, but he will touch you, just like he did this woman. Oh, every lady here, I want you to know that you can take your deepest longings and joys and fears to him, and he will be there for you. You can push through the crowds of this life and come to Jesus, and he will know it is you and what you are experiencing. Well, the woman now realized that Jesus knew. In essence, she had been outed, and she had to respond to this. In verse 33, what a beautiful verse. It says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, now don't miss this, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. What a picture. What a picture of humility, honesty, and innocence. Ladies, this is a one of many that could be given in Scripture. This is a synopsis, a brief summary of what it means to pray. She came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You want to know how to pray? 
Come to him in fear and trembling. Don't be afraid to fall on your knees before him. Tell him everything. Confess to him. Rejoice in him. Cry before him. Let him see your tears and your emotions. How deeply you long for the things that are going on in your life. You long for his answer. And in this particular case, in the presence of all the people, she gave her public testimony. Right here. She didn't wait to join the church. She didn't wait till another time. She gives her public testimony immediately. It doesn't always happen that way. And I want you to try to get the picture. There are hundreds of people thronging around Jesus. Don't forget what Luke said. So many around him, they were, it was like they were crushing him. And all of a sudden, they've all stopped. They've all stopped. There's this circle here. And she's in the circle. And she's about to testify. And they are all, they are all listening to her. Why did Jesus want the woman to make a public confession? I mean, it says he looked around to see. First of all, he says to everyone, who touched me? And then it says he looked around to see who had done it. So obviously everybody there was looking around to see who who was this. Who is Jesus talking about? Why did he want this woman to give a public testimony? I mean, why didn't he just grab her by the arm and said, hey, I know that was you. I realized that was you. I got it. No. He said, who touched me? And he looked around to see who it was. Three reasons. Three reasons. First being the most important. He wanted all the glory to go to God. He wanted her to make a public testimony so that all the glory would go to God. He wanted everyone there to see that God cares about the desperate. He cares about the hurting. And he is here to bring healing, all kinds of healing, not just physical healing, but emotional healing, mental healing, spiritual healing. God cares about your needs. And he wanted, Jesus wanted to make sure that God, the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were given all the credit and all the glory. There is a beautiful, what I would call, cycle when we come to God, when we truly humble ourselves before him. It is found in many passages of Scripture. But one of my favorites, and I've shared this in other sermons before, is Psalm 5015. Psalm 5015 says this, Call upon me, the Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That's the cycle. Number one, call upon the Lord in the day of your trouble. Number two, he will deliver you. And when he delivers you, you shall glorify him. You know, it's not just some cliche thing when we said, you know, all the glory goes to God. All the praise goes to him. That's the way it's supposed to work. We don't just say that because it's Christian lingo. We mean it, or we should mean it. We come to him in the day of our trouble. He delivers us. Make sure he gets the praise. Make sure he gets the glory. Make sure he gets all the credit. But there's a second reason. Second of three reasons. I believe that Jesus did this out of deep, deep compassion for her. The second reason he had her do this publicly was to demonstrate that she was now ceremonially clean. 
He was declaring to everyone, this woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years is now thoroughly, completely, ceremonially ceremonially clean. And she can go to temple worship. She can go among the assembled redeemed of God and worship with them in the temple and she can be clean. What a feeling to be clean. You've experienced that when you came to Christ as Savior, when you received him as your Lord and Savior. You felt clean, forgiven of all those past wrongs, all those past sins in your life, some of them that you're so ashamed of, but now you know you're clean. She is experiencing that in a very real way. There's a third reason I think he had her do this publicly. That is to make sure she understood that it was Jesus who healed her and that his robe was not a magic garment. I think he wanted to make sure she understood that his robe wasn't some kind of magic wand. You know, he could take his robe off, throw it on the ground, and you just touch it and be healed. That wasn't the point at all. She touched him. She touched Jesus. It was Jesus who healed her. She happened to touch his garment, but it was power, the power of God that flowed out from him. You know, we all have to be careful with this. I mean, there's the obvious all throughout church history, even to today, there, are, there have been traveling, traveling evangelists and tele-evangelists who are willing to sell you an anointed oil cloth or some kind of piece of something that they'll send you in the mail for a certain price, and if you just touch it, if you just hold on to it, you'll be healed. But I think it goes well beyond that. There are many people today who are going through elaborate ceremonies and rituals and processes thinking that if they do it just right, God will respond to them. If if we do this ceremony and we do it just the way it's supposed to be done, then God will respond to us. But you know, this can happen in our own lives, even in the life of a mature Christian. We need to be careful Don't ever think that just because you do your devotions every day and that you're reading more passages of Scripture and praying more minutes every day that God owes you. Well, well, if I don't miss my devotions, God's surely going to come through for me. And if he doesn't, I'm disappointed. Father, don't you know I did my devotions every day and I still had this happen to me? The diagnosis wasn't what I thought it was going to be. We need to be careful. We do. Do you know why we read Scripture? Do you know why we pray? To come to Jesus. So we can fellowship with him. So we can love him. So we can get to know him better. It's not some, the Bible isn't some magic wand, nor is prayer some magic wand, that if I pray this prayer in just the right way so many days a week, then God's going to give me this. No, none at all. Don't, don't skew Bible reading and prayer that way. Make it the most precious, intimate part of your life that you come to the holy word of God and give yourself to it and you spend time in prayer because you want him. 
you want to touch Jesus. Well, Jesus then sends her away with a powerful and loving statement found in verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, this is a very intimate term of endearment. He wasn't saying that she was younger than him. In fact, she may have been his age. She may have been older. This doesn't mean daughter because you're young. It means child of God. Daughter. Daughter of God. He says, your faith has made you well. Now we know it wasn't just her faith that made her well. It was Jesus who made her well. But faith is always the avenue through which God works. Your faith in me, that childlike innocence that caused you to go through this crowd, to do something you never thought you could do and touch me in public. I want you to know you believed in me and your faith has made you well. And so he tells her, go in peace and be healed of your disease. I don't even know how to express how she must have felt at that moment. Go in peace. This is the ultimate expression of the Hebrew word shalom. I believe she came to know Christ as her Savior at that moment. She became a child of God at that moment. She was going in complete peace, in complete spiritual peace and wholeness. And he said, be healed. Be healed of your disease. This wasn't some temporary healing. She was permanently healed. The joy the exhilaration, the adrenaline which must have been pumping through her body at this moment must have been unimaginable. But let me end this way. Our third point is 12 years of suffering. 12 years of suffering. 12 years can be a long time when you are constantly sick. It may very well be we have some people here right now and you've gone through many years of sickness and maybe even right now you're not well. Jesus knew her. Jesus knew this woman and he waited till just the right time to heal her. This was not a surprise to him. He knew her just like he knows you. You may ask the question, why didn't God heal her earlier? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. But we do know this. She had literally exhausted every possible human means. She knew there was no one out there that could help her. Maybe. Sometimes God just needs us to come to the end of ourselves. We go to this person and that person. This person's got this idea. They tell us to read this book or read that book. And finally we come to the point where we realize, I'm just going to take it to Jesus. I'm going to lay it before him. Let us know the sovereign, gracious hand of God waited 12 years for just the right time to heal the woman with the discharge of blood. 
Ladies, we don't know what we're going to face in the future. But God does. He does. He knows everything that you are facing and will face. And I want to just offer three things as we close. Number one, humble yourself before Jesus. Humble yourself before Jesus. Be willing to do things you never thought you could do. Be willing. Maybe there is sin that you just need to confess. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to make right. Whatever it is, be willing to do whatever God wants you to do that he might touch you and heal you. And I will guarantee you this. Jesus will be there for you at just the right time. Guaranteed. He will always be there for you at just the right time. And let us praise God this morning. We are New Testament Christians, post-crucifixion Christians. We serve a risen Savior. Our Jesus was crucified as a sacrifice for our sins. He rose victoriously and gloriously from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, the greatest seat of power in the entire universe. And he is there for you every single day. Every single day. Ladies, come to him. Come to him with the faith of a little child. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us to learn from this woman, this desperate woman, this beautiful woman whose life was so miraculously and graciously changed. Help us to be willing to humble ourselves before you, to be willing to do whatever you ask us to do and to know without a doubt, with great confidence that you are always, always there for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.